a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. A lot of people are disconnected from politics these days because. They either just can't stand it anymore or they don't feel that their voices are being heard in any way, shape or form, often because of the extremes of both of the major political parties. So let's get past the headlines and see if there isn't a different way we can approach this. Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. The question is always, how do we bring more voices to the table? How do we get more people involved in the process in a way where they feel like they have a seat at the table? And not just a seat at the table, but that they have a voice at the table that can be heard. And uh, really thrilled to have join us on the program today, Laura Thornton, who's the Director and Senior Fellow at the Alliance for Securing Democracy in Washington, D.C. Laura, thanks for joining us. Oh, it's great to be back. Wonderful. Well, let's dive into this. Uh, you, you've taken a, a real deep dive in looking at how do we change the game and the dynamics. And of course, uh, one of the things that I think has been the biggest problem is how binary we, we become in our political choices. But how do we start to break that down? That's a great question. And I, I think that there really the solutions are going to be more long term in terms of you know, building out our resilience as a citizenry and tapping into more community development projects and media literacy and and other things that are sort of the long game. But I, I do also think there are aspects about our system that we could perhaps consider changing that might diffuse this binary um problem that we have. And that has to do with a a lot with the way we hold our elections. And I know there's been a lot of discussion about, you know, changes that would require constitutional amendments or changes that would require, you know, a majority in Congress, which is really difficult to secure. But there's some things that even states can do that can try to help diffuse this. I mean, the U.S. is very unique in in the way we hold elections and it's not our election system that makes us this sort of divisive polarized society but it doesn't help it yeah and and that definitely that majoritarian single member you know winner take all kind of thing uh both in, in again you talk about the state politics in terms of those state and local elections uh it, it really gets down to that uh, and so let's look at some examples or some things that we could begin to adopt uh, as you said, this is a long game yep. uh, to be sure, but how do, where do we begin? Well, on some of these, what I call not quick fixes, but <laughs> easier than like educating an entire generation right. of, <laughs> of, of people, which we should also We do, also should do that, yes. <laughs> We're going to have to walk chew gum and walk at the same time. But I think, yeah, absolutely. The single, uh, single 
uh, member constituency and majoritarian system we have, this winner, what we call winner takes all. It creates a system where uh, that pushes us into these these camps. So it, it creates this sort of extremism, but also this electoral bias. Um, most countries where I've lived um, use either a mixed system, which includes some of this first past the post, winner takes all, but uh, proportionality. So in other words, if, if you win 20% of the vote, you still get representation. Um, and that creates, first of all, uh, an ability for third and fourth parties to enter the fray. I mean, we are very unique in our two-party system. Um, and having multiple parties not only allows for different voices, but also can diffuse this binary uh, environment. We also, other countries have also, including in some of our states, we've started to experiment with uh, ballot structure. In other words, can you rank people instead of just picking one person? Um, and we've seen how this has worked. Uh, for example, in the New York mayoral race, they were allowed to rank, and you would have gotten probably a different result if you just had one vote. Um, so that also sort of pulls us away from the polls, the extremes, and encourages candidates to try to be someone's second choice. They might not be the first one, but maybe they can be the second. But the way we are now in these locked-in districts that are practically non-competitive, except for a handful of them, you just need to turn out your base. You don't even need to win a, a majority. So, And that leads to the sort of third one, which is electoral formula. Uh, do you have to clear a majority or do you just win a plurality? Like, for example, France, you know, you have a second round. You know, you first, if someone doesn't clear that 50% threshold, you, you go at it again and it allows sort of a reorganization of other candidates and parties and interests. So there are some things I think that, that we that we could adopt here. Yeah, I think those are all important things for us to, to think through, I, especially this uh, whole idea of the, the 50% threshold. Uh, we actually obviously just saw this yesterday in uh, in Ohio with yep. the J.D. Vance you know, winning uh, with 32% of the vote. And you look down and there was a whole bunch of them clustered at you know, 20, 22, 24%. Uh, and so that one's an interesting one to me in terms of, you know, do you have to, if you can't get to 50 uh, are you really the choice? Uh, and uh, right. I, I think that's just an important discussion to be had. What are some other, are there any other elements or are there any downsides that we should be thinking about as well as we look at this kind of proportional rather than winner take all approach? Well, there, of course, there are downsides to every single election system. And it's not, and I've worked in enough countries to know that it's it's never a cure-all. And I've actually, <laughs> I've, I've experienced you know, for example, I lived in Thailand for six years, and they went from majoritarian to proportional to mixed, all trying to solve the problem of vote buying. Mm. It didn't, none of it, <laughs> vote buying adapts to any situation. <laughs> yes. So, you know, it just finds the way. So, it's, it, it, you know, it, is, it isn't going to fix everything. And there are disadvantages to proportional systems, for example, um, in a parliamentary proportional system, you don't have the same bond with uh, an individual and their constituency. Um, you know, you elect a party as opposed to an individual. So that has some uh, negative consequences as well. And each election system, I mean, no election system is neutral, right. but it has been proven over and over. If you look at other countries and histories, the winner-takes-all systems are particularly ill-advised in highly divisive societies. So for, it's no surprise, for example, that the Good Friday Accords advocated for a proportional system. And 
even the U.S. government um, in the country I used to live in, Georgia, was pushing Georgia to adopt a proportional system or, or supporting their desire to adopt a proportional system because of a similar problem to what we have, which is this sort of winner-takes-all, deeply divisive, polarized society because it allows these smaller parties and minority voices to emerge. And it leaves people feeling a lot less satisfied. Um, you know, if you if you lose by a fraction of a percent, it's and you get nothing. Right. <laughs> it's infuriating, and it just leads people to give up on politics. If you're a, a, a Republican voter in a blue state, state, you just throw up your hands, right? Because right. there's no representation for you. Um, and I just think there are ways we can give everyone a, a voice at the table. Uh, fantastic. Laura, I always love your thinking. And, and this is important stuff. I think there's some coalition governing opportunities. I think some of these things are, are critical that we start having these conversations. I was hoping you were going to write it on your unicorn and solve all of this for us today. But we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll play the long game. We'll, we'll, we'll wait for the unicorns for next time. But uh, Laura Thornton, she's a director and senior fellow at the Alliance for Securing Democracy in Washington, D.C. And she is a great thinker and has given us a lot to chew on today uh, as we look at how do we get rid of some of that divisiveness? How do we create some of that collaboration uh, and coalition building that will lead us to far better solutions for all the American people? Laura, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. A pleasure. All right. Uh, again, always love Laura's thinking uh, on that uh, as she approaches how we actually go after some of these things. And again, there are challenges to it, to be sure. Uh, no system is perfect. Uh, I love that Laura pointed out the fact that uh, vote buying uh, can be done in any system. <laughs> it's been proven to work in any system. Uh, the corruption is corruption and there's no safety in geography when it comes to corruption. Uh, but I think it is worth having different kinds of discussions to figure out how to we make sure that the American people feel like they have a seat at the table and a voice at the table that can actually make a difference. That's worth thinking about today. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.